Thank you. For the next few months, we're going to be exploring the five hindrances. Um, maybe, uh, as I indicated on my reminder notice, things that get in the way. Infinite number of things that get in the way, right? Um, I hear a lot about things that get in the way of practice. So there are things that get in the way on your way to the cushion. There are things that get in your way while you're on the cushion. And there are things that get in the way when you get up from the cushion. So we're always, we're, we're always navigating all these things that get in our way. And we call them the hindrances, but they're not limited really to five. Uh, we will, I'm gonna speak generally about hindrances today. I should mention that the hindrances are attachment, grabbing, onto things, holding onto things, aversion, pushing things away. I don't like that. That's too you know, painful. I don't, I don't like it. I don't want it. I hate it. It's that, it can get that aversive. Um, boredom. That's the way I feel when I'm in a, in a, a rowboat or a canoe. Yeah. Some people just love to be out there <laughs> on a canoe or just like sitting in the middle of a lake and I'm, what's next? You know, I just find it so incredibly boring. Although, you know, I have a sitting practice, so you're just sitting there in the middle of the lake. So <laughs> what's getting in my way there? It's boredom. Restlessness. Well, we know a lot about that. And we'll learn more about it <clears throat> and doubt, uh, which is that constructed self constantly at us. Why are you doing this? This is, that's a, this is so boring, so, <laughs> so useless. So, uh, I'm, you know, all, all the things that question, uh, question why in heaven's name are we, are we doing this? So those are the five that we'll be exploring. But today, <clears throat> I, I want to explore this general notion of things are getting in our way. <clears throat> and of course, I think when we look at this soberly, <laughs> we know very well that it's us that's getting in our way. And as, as, uh, as we read today, in Coben's introduction, our practice is the gate of peace and joy. It's open. There's nothing in our way. It's completely there. Um, and why, why wouldn't we just go for it? I mean, the gate of peace and joy, we pass through it. It's, you know, we should be chomping at the bit to just go straight ahead. But no, there are things that prevent us from passing through that 
gate of peace and joy. And we have all kinds of names for those things. Uh, and I, I want to begin with a little story. This is also for Ame, who loves stories. Um, there was an experiment done a number of years ago where a handful of fleas, like a little flea, were placed in a jar. And immediately they jumped out. That's what fleas do, right? <laughs> they jump around. And after they jumped out, um, they were placed back in the jar and a lid was screwed on to the top of the jar. And the fleas started jumping <laughs> to get out and they kept hitting, hitting their little heads <laughs> on, <laughs> on, the, on the cap. Uh, and eventually they started jumping just a little bit below the cap. So let's say the cap was eight inch, eight and a half inches from the bottom of the jar. They started jumping eight inches up. So they didn't, obviously they didn't hit the jar and hurt themselves. So that went on for a few days where they just kept jumping that eight inches and then the cap was removed. And what do you think happened? they didn't jump out. They were free, but they only jumped eight inches. They kept jumping only eight inches. Then they were taken out of the jar, completely free. What do you think? Only jumping eight inches no matter how free they were, their so-called conditioning, we might say, permitted them only to jump, even though they were totally free. And the story doesn't end there. Their offspring, they started reproducing. And what do you think about their offspring? They only jumped eight inches. That's pretty astounding, isn't it? That this habit energy of limitation, that we limit ourselves, is so powerful that even when we're completely free, we still choose the limitations. And not only that, it's intergenerational. <laughs> you probably know something about that being a, you know, a therapist, that how, how these patterns, how these habit energies get passed on. And people are, you know, are free to, they're free human beings, but some, some habit energy keeps being passed on. And, and in this case, it's the limitations, uh, it's, it's, it's our imprisonment, uh, our sense, you know, where it's, it's like, we're in a cell, we're in a prison cell, 
The door is open. There are no guards. We can walk out anytime we want, but we we sit in the we still sit in the cell because that's we could say that's how the conditioning our previous conditioning has affected us. Our practice is designed to break that. And that's why we need each other <laughs> to keep point, keep reminding us, look, Ronin, the door is open. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. So we we need we need Sangha, we need the teachings, we need all beings to help us to, to realize that we can jump into freedom that we can jump into full liberation. So I'm going to talk about four, four expressions of this, these things that get in our way. And they all revolve around a certain sense that we have, and this is not exclusive, this is not the exclusive foundation for hindrances, this is only one. And today I wanna to talk about a certain sense of perfectionism that gets in our way. And perfectionism takes many, many forms. I wanna talk about a, a couple of those today. Based on a lot, of, a lot of things that I hear from our Sangha, one of the things that I hear is, I just, I'm looking for the perfect place to practice. You know, I have no privacy. Um, I have no place in my house that I can go, you know, where I'm not bothered. Um, it's too noisy here. It's too hot here. Uh, this place isn't conducive to sitting quietly. Um, maybe I should, maybe Oan, you know, there's something about Oan that it's too small. Uh, maybe I should try a different Dharma center. Maybe, maybe there's a, a different place that uh, would be better or a monastery. Maybe if I really, you know, secluded myself. Maybe if I, I went into the hills and into a little cottage all by myself, maybe that's the place. Maybe that's the best place for me. So we're kind of looking for the best place to sit down. But of course, the perfect place, which you have dragged into this barrier, making into this barrier, the perfect place is where you are. You are often sitting at the dinner table. You are sitting in traffic. You are sitting at your desk. You are sitting with friends. Uh, you are sitting a lot. That's the perfect place to practice. So this notion of looking for the perfect place 
is a hindrance. It's part of our, our resistance to sitting, which takes the form of, I, I don't know. It's, this isn't the proper place for me to do it. I, I have, to, have to find a better, a better place. Okay, so to begin with, to say, okay, the perfect place is wherever you happen to be. And particularly if you're sitting, that's <laughs> pretty obvious, right? And then we have this notion that we have to have the perfect time. And that's a lot, I hear a lot of that. Mado, I don't know. I don't know when to sit. Should I sit in the morning? Should I sit in the evening? Should I sit in the middle of the day? How long should I sit? Um, the mornings, well, I'm tired, you know, I'm getting ready for my day. Uh, I don't have the time to sit. That, that's not a good time, the mornings. Uh, I'm just kind of gearing up for my day. Middle of the day, I'm really busy. <laughs> That's, that's really not the perfect time to sit. And the evening, I'm just too tired. <laughs> I just, I, uh, I gotta go to bed or I'll fall asleep on the cushion. So the evening, that's not a good time either. So, well, maybe, um, maybe Sunday. <laughs> maybe Sunday is the right time, the perfect time. I don't know, getting in my car. <laughs> you know, this is like the perfect time and the perfect place. But where is everyone? You know, it's not quite perfect enough. So uh, this is not the perfect time either. So the perfect time, of course, is now when it comes into your awareness that sitting is important and that you have this moment to do it, do it, <laughs> sit. Instead of, well, I don't know whether I have enough time, I don't know, you know, if this is the right time, I'll be distracted, you know, all of that narrative that comes in. You have all the time in the world to sit for a minute, for five minutes, for an hour even. You can make the time. The time is there. You just don't think it's perfect enough. So then we have the perfect teacher or teachings. This teacher, this teacher is inconsistent. Sometimes says contradictory things. Doesn't always wear her robes. What's wrong with her? You know, there's some, you know, she's not the perfect teacher or this person has had some things in their li life that, you know, uh, seem to, 
to diminish their, their uh, competence as a teacher. Uh, so yeah, this isn't the perfect teacher. Uh, let's try another teacher. Let's try a podcast. Let's try, let's keep digging these shallow wells because this teacher isn't perfect, isn't my ideal of what a Dharma teacher should be. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go around shopping to find the perfect teacher or the teachings. You know, read Dogen, read, uh, they don't make any sense. It's hard to understand these teachings. So many people sit in on book study or we read a, a sutra and they'll say, they don't, I haven't the foggiest idea what is being said here. So what I understand is psychology, you know, or I understand religion, but this just goes like that. Not the perfect teachings, because the perfect teachings are teachings that I have to understand, that I have to be clear about. So the perfect teaching is the one that you are confronting right now. And the perfect teaching, the perfect teacher, obviously, is you. Because everything comes filtered through you. So even if you had an authority, this is what Alan Watts says, the guru is someone who picks your pocket and sells you back your watch. Right? You have to give the teacher authority. So you might as well take it yourself because you're the one who uh, puts the teacher in a place of competence. So you obviously have criteria. <laughs> you obviously have a sense of what a teacher is. So be, be that, be that teacher. All of this is to say that what you think is in your way is your way. If you are fussing about the perfect place to practice, that's your practice. If you are fussing about procrastination, this isn't the right time, manana. I have the whole week to practice, to practice now. Procrastination is a big one. Tomorrow, later, later, when I have more time, when I'm not so busy. If procrastination is getting in your way, that's your practice, that's your way. It's not in your way, it's your way. If you're, if you're struggling with 
having the perfect teacher and wondering whether these teachings are of, of any significance, of any value. Those doubts are your way. That's your practice. Sit with doubt. Sit with resistance. So another little story, personal, you may decide. Not the perfect teacher, this story. Uh, for a number of years, I, I was dancing as a dancer. I practiced um, improvisational movement. And I did a workshop. Uh, I was probably in my 40s at that point. So I was, you know, was a little old for a dancer <laughs> to be on stage particularly. But I went to a workshop with a wonderful teacher um, improvisational teacher. And there were probably around 35 to 40 dancers in the workshop. It was a week long workshop. And at the end of the workshop, we had a, um, a group dance, improvisational movement. And we had studied all week and I was exhausted. I mean, I was, I was, completely spent. And this group dance was on the menu. <laughs> and she got everybody together. And this was silent. And I snuck back, back into the back of the auditorium, this gymnasium, really, that we were practicing in. I tried to be in a little corner where nobody would notice me because I was too tired. I was too tired to be you know, to be alert, you know, to be sensitive to, to the movements that were going on. And of course, the teacher found me in my little corner. And she, she walked up to me and she said, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm just too tired. You know, I just can't participate. And she screamed at me. She says, well, dance tired then. Huh. I remember that to this day. So here it is. If you are sad, that sadness isn't in your way. Practice sad. If you're anxious, I'm too anxious to practice. Practice anxious. If you're angry, that anger, because we have this no notion that our practice is just about, we can't practice until we're completely calm and enlightened. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If you're angry, upset, unsettled, practice that. Practice with that. That is your practice. That is what is at hand. That is right there with you. If you're afraid, if you're working with fear, practice fearful. Practice with that. 
like I was tired. So too tired to practice. No, dance tired. That is the only way we are going to get clear about what we think is in our way to discover that it isn't in our way if we practice it, if we practice with it. We will penetrate it. We will see clearly into it. But instead, instead of keep wanting to find this perfection before, before we sit, we will never discover what all that stuff that we think is in our way is in our way. It will be in our way because we have been become that flea that only jumps eight inches high. Part of what we like to do when we think things are in our way is we like to make a little drama of our practice. You know, kind of like to dramatize it. Oh, this is, what am I doing? Getting everything, you know, putting on the running shorts before we go out and our sneak, proper sneakers and getting everything in play. Make a little drama out of it. We like to dramatize it. And we whip up all sorts of narratives around our drama. And that is, that is resistance. That we're using that to resist. And we're not facing our resistance. We're not sitting with our resistance. You know, our practice, we often say in, in Zen, it is like reaching for your pillow in the middle of the night. You know what it's like to reach for your pillow in the middle of the night? You just reach for it. There it is. I reach for this pillow. Just reach for it and sit on it. In other words, don't make a drama out of your practice. Sometimes say human life is so auspicious, so demanding, so challenging. We just sit down for a while. The Bronx way of saying this is sit down and shut up. Don't make a big deal out of it. This is your ordinary life, your ordinary mind. Don't make a big drama out of it. And take a lesson from the fleas. <laughs> 